This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 866, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hi. And welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 866. We're getting up there. It's about that time. Start looking ahead to the next big round first number. We've gone over the hump of 850. Now it's just a downhill slope to 900. Wow. We should renumber. We should renumber. We get to 1,000 and we'll renumber. We should renumber every like six or so so we can have tons of anniversaries. What we should do is start a pool to see which one of us has a heart attack first while doing the show. This is not one of those things in my life that would cause that to happen. <laughs> I mean, really, if we're going to be completely honest, this is like, my doctor would be like, well, you should keep doing that thing. That <laughs> it really is slows good your heart rate you. down. And yeah. Brings your blood pressure yeah. down. You should keep doing 100%. that. 100%. Hey, Connor. Yeah. You know how I don't drink much, right? Correct. Are you? Have you been drinking tonight? Well, here's the thing. Oh, we have these little like pre-made margaritas in the fridge. And oh I my said, gosh! You know what? I said, you know what? I'm gonna have one of those because I haven't in a long time. Why didn't and you Lindsay's wait to the like, hangout tomorrow? Wait. Okay, sorry. And Lindsay said you should because they've been in there a long time. Because as I said, I don't really drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got. But you like a margarita glass. occasionally? Yeah, but even that, I can't. I don't, alcohol doesn't make me feel good. That's okay. Anyway, so I put some ice in a glass, uh-huh. poured that thing in there, I put a straw in there, and before I knew it, I had drank in the entire thing. <laughs> you had drank in it, huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> like, quickly. And I thought, this isn't good. Is and I just want to warn no? you about that. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. This is going to be good. <laughs> Did you save one for tomorrow? Actually, yes, there's another one. But if I drink two days in a row, I mean, well, we should get it. If people, we're having our patron hangout tomorrow as we record this. Oh, so, you know, consider it. I, I think I'm going to have a margarita. Well, that's 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 hardly surprising. All right. Well, let's get back you into have the a show. Religion built around cocktails. And see how this goes. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about the other books of the week. We're going to do the patron pick. We're going to hopefully do some listener mail when we have time. We've been making time lately, and I've been enjoying it. So we're going to try to make it make it a habit of not going over with the book talk. And here's your spoiler warning: exercise some caution, Josh. Yeah, caution. Your pick was this week. I enjoy. I enjoyed my comics this week. Yep. I I read a bunch of them. Um, I did. I had a hard time picking a pick of the week in that. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I had a lot of fives. That's it. But I, I did have. Yeah, but I did have a hard time like narrowing down the books that I wanted to put on the show. There was a bunch mm. I could have I really had to like leave some out that I, I could have talked about on any other given week. Um so while Fantastic Four number six ninety seven wasn't a huge standout, I didn't finish and go, That's it. Right. When I did the quote unquote math, you know, afterwards and I'm looking at the list and I'm trying to figure out what to do, it was my first 
instinct, and I never got around it. Um, I have been, this is the fourth issue of this new run uh, from Ryan North and Ivan Coelho. Has he been the artist on all of them? Yes. I think so. Yes. Um, and it's been, the four issues have been pretty masterfully constructed, I think. Um, there was a, first is a, it was a road trip, basically. First one yep. is Johnny Storm. He's no. living incognito. First well, one's whichever the order there. Okay. Thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Thing and then uh, read the suit and then Johnny. Yeah, this backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the whole time we're like something happened, and we didn't know what. And this is the issue that sort of tells us what happened. Which, by the way, doing it in four issues instead of eight or twelve, bravo. A lot of times they hold that way too long. I liked. Is how this, this the third moved? The fourth. third time you've picked this book, this volume? No, three out of four. Second, I thought. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, while you well, talk. you I look it up while I talk. Three. Um, we spent time with, uh, with Ben and, and Alicia. We spent time with Reed and Sue and we, sp- we spent time with Johnny and, and his mustache. Yeah. Which he still has. Um, and, and here we, we see what happened and, uh, the, the aliens from the, is it from the negative zone? Are they an Yeah, the negative, It's an invasion from the negative zone. Right. And they're all around the, it's not the Baxter building anymore, is it? I think they it, moved yes, out of that. Whatever the, the building is. Yeah, but it's down on Yancey Street now, isn't it? Like, didn't they rebuild there? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. So, so hold on. Hold on, Chunky. Mm-hmm. This is the third time this book has been picked as pick of the week. You did uh, you one, picked I issue did one, two. 694. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan picked issue three, oh, 696. And now you picked issue four, 697. Crazy. Yeah. So four out of three. I think, three I, out of I, four. I think there, was, there was some spillover. There was some spillover from the Dan Slot run where we just didn't want to let it go, but also the great relief in that it was still good, but it wasn't good in the way that it was trying to do what Dan Slot did, which is correct. Different. It's a different. It's a different book. Yeah. Um, it is. No, it absolutely is. Same. The same themes are there. It's funny because the Fantastic Four, I think, have been very, very hard to get right over the years for people. They they didn't quit get that tone right, and now we got two guys in a row. Who and and you know you can be impressed by by Jonathan Hickman's run, but I I felt I found it impenetrable, um, and there was all those other people and they're traveling around and they're dressed in white, whatever. Um, so anyway, we're we're the the negative zone people are invading and Reed's really stuck on it. You know, like we are, we are we're in trouble here. I I don't know what to do about this, and and they're all getting overwhelmed, but they've got the they're putting in the good fight, and the only thing that Reed can think of to do is to transport <laughs> the building and its environs to ahead in time, six months yes. of their theoretically on the other side of the earth. And for the people left on year. earth, it's a whole year. Right. But it's six months around whatever it's, it's it, there. It's on the other side of the earth because that would be six months, but you're right. Then it's so, for the people left on Earth, it will take a year for them to come back around where they will meet the people and then they will come back into their life. For the people who have been transported, it will be instantaneous. They will not notice it. But for right, the people so on Earth, an entire year will go by. He bl- he, he blipped them. He did. He so, blipped them. Ryan North, who the writer, goes into the – it's always dangerous to get too into the weeds on real science in these books. But, but mm-hmm. he makes it work for this where time travel – has to take into account space and time as are linked mm-hmm. and you can't just 
you know, travel in time without knowing where in space the earth will be because the earth is moving. And so yeah. he says here, basically he has, you know, as you said, they're traveling uh, for them at just a second, but for us it's a year because that's how long it takes for the earth to return back to the spot it was in. So um, that was the big uh, horrible thing that happened. That's why there's a smoking crater where the Baxter building and the block around it used to be. And that's why they FF have sort of broken up. And that's why, uh, people don't really like them is because he has essentially uh, ruined everyone's life who was in that the area or who uh, lived there because families have been separated, uh, kids are without parents, parents are without kids, people lost, you know, don't have jobs. Like it's all a big crisis because of this. And it feels like it's almost more of a, and I didn't like the blip in the movies. It was one of the reasons why I didn't like the second movie. But um, they almost looked at, they almost really examined it here more than the movies did. About what oh, they absolutely did. The blip, what, it, when, what the in, ramifications in the, were. In the blip, the ramifications were relatively minor. And they I was were like, comedic. All, right. There was all these things that would really be a problem for the most part. And here, it starts off, Alicia and Ben are mad because they're not going to see their kids for a year. Yeah. And they're really mad about that. Even if it doesn't matter to the kids, it matters to them, which they totally makes sense. They just think about sense. the sleep they're going to get. But then they, they, well, they just got them and they're <laughs> older. So it's a whole different thing. And so, and then they move out from there. They're like, there's going to be kids who don't have their parents. There's bills that are not going to go pay. It was very like practical. And yeah. uh, I, I really liked that. I thought that was a good bit. And then finally, the capper on the thing is that. Reed and Alicia see that like, or Ben and Alicia see that Reed is pretty torn up about it. Yeah, like they they see it, and 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 then they kind of forgive him, and they're like, "You're right. That's the only thing you could have done." You know what? It it, 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 it they, here's where it really worked with Ryan North in this issue is the whole the whole time, and we don't we don't find out about Reed, you know Reed being torn up until page nineteen of your digital reader out of twenty five, right. and so the whole time I'm thinking. He's writing Reed way too robotic. Like he's being really robotic in his dialogue. He calls mm-hmm. Johnny Jonathan. He fo- he refers to Ben by his full name, Benjamin Grimm. And I was like, I don't know if he has Reed here. He's being too much of a, like a unfeeling robot. And so that makes the reveal that he's actually shattered inside mm-hmm. all the more powerful because it's it it goes up against what he's previously been shown to be, which is a you know genius robot type. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, Reed Richards. I don't want to say body horror, but um, using you know stretching his eyeball out, stretching mm-hmm. other parts of his body out. I did think so. There's one point where they're fighting before he does the the move with the building where they're fighting all the uh, invaders, the annihilator, annihilation people, and he has like a hundred fists fists fly out of his stomach or body to mm-hmm. punch them all, and then he has those fists go up into the Baxter building to do stuff in the lab. And I thought back to that Namor book we read for Booksplode last year mm-hmm. by John Byrne, in which it was established that Reed's, uh, Reed's uh, limit for stretching was about 50 feet, his body mm-hmm. in here. That's just out the window. He's stretching his, his body all over the place. The other thing I noticed, and it's not a complaint, and this is also not a complaint. Right. Uh, you know, the, the kids of Valeria and um, what's his Galeno. face? Galeno. Uh, the, the boy, Franklin. Um, oh. They, they were like 15, 16 like the last time we saw them. And now the way Iba and Coelho draws them, they look like they're eight. And so um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with aging them down a bit. Yeah, I am too. 
I am they, they got too old and it was like we missed a lot of stuff. Although yeah. that was what Hickman's thing was. Um Yeah, so so there's there's just a lot of things. I actually really think that I'm, I'm struggling to think of examples, but I know it's been in this book. I feel like there's been more of a focus lately. This is just anecdotally on like superpowers and how they use the things like the, the basis of most of these books, which they've come to kind of ignore. Mm-hmm. But like there was this and something else. I was like, oh, they're just fighting bad guys here. You know, right. just superheroes fighting bad guys. Now, it shouldn't always be that, but it's almost never that anymore. You know what's interesting about I mean I, I agree with that but also interesting about this book is the format is you mentioned earlier this is basically a four issue arc mm-hmm. although you know it's it's sort of the never ending story so you know, the next issue they're they're continuing yeah. on but um it's been four issue arc of basically single issue stories that have told mm-hmm. a complete story in themselves but each issue you can pick up on its own yeah you know you, you know the first three were obviously because they were single character piece studies with with the thing and and uh like why, why am i not remembering them? the thing and alicia and sue and rich and Re- sue and richard what is going on sue and reed and johnny storm all having their own separate individual uh, adventures and then here they're all together but it's all been a piece it's been a really interesting way to write the book um it's yeah. been fun it's been fun i was worried when when they announced yeah you know dance thought left we'd love that dance thought book so much and and uh, I'm glad this is continuing on in a way that feels it's not a radical departure. It's not Hickman to slot. You right. know, that was a radical change. I mean, I don't know if there was, there was, there wasn't people in between, yeah. but, but those were the two major runs. It's a radical change. Uh, this feels like a pe- like a piece of the slot run, but in its own, you know, way that Ryan North and Iban Coelho are putting their stamp on it. I'm enjoying this quite a bit. And it's a, it's just a, it's a well-constructed book just on its own. Fantastic Four or no, you know, like you said, those stories are interesting. This story was time shifted all over the place. Yeah. You know, to get to where they needed to go. And, uh, it's real good for that. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Now, now who knows where it goes, you know? So we'll see. I mean, when, when will they, you know, think, I think back to the classic, the classic uh, fanboy conversation that Ron, our old co-host, when his brain broke thinking about the 52 book and wait, was this whole book taking place a year behind every other book? And, and so the question is when do we wait a full calendar year in reality till these till the building and the kids come back? Is it gonna be resolved quicker? Like it's gonna be interesting to see how they play this out. Because time mm-hmm. is malleable, but is it? But it is. Well you can get rid of those alien kids, but you can't get rid of you can't get rid no. of Franklin. Maybe you can, Flair. I don't know. So Franklin Flair, yeah, you can't get rid of them. We've tried. No. So, uh, you took a flyer on a lot of books this week, Josh. I did. I actually had, I don't know, 17, 18 books, something like wow. that. Um, bunch of new stuff came out from Image, and it turns out I put it on the list here, but until I look at it, I'm not going to quite remember what it is. Um, <laughs> Torrent number one, I picked it up because uh, it's Mark Guggenheim, who was doing a lot of mainstream books for a while. Yeah. I think came from TV. Yes. He's, um, I mean, he still but, is a TV guy, but yeah, he, he yeah. used to be a Law & Order writer, producer. Right. Uh, he ended up. He did a lot of the Arrowverse stuff at CW in the in the early two thousands, like during the Civil War time. He was writing Wolverine yeah. and other high profile. Yeah, yeah, books and then he kind of backed off, but his name's still around. He'll do stuff. He was great, and uh, yeah. So uh, you know, he was good enough at the time that I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give his book a shot. I recognize the name Justin Greenwood, but I couldn't place it. Um, I looked him up. He did. Um, 
I know that he he was the guy who replaced uh, um Matt Southworth on the book that went to ABC that Greg Rucka did. Oh, Stumptown. Stumptown. He he came on and did that. He did a few other things that I kind of recognized. Um, but it's, it's good art. So what we've got here is um it's a superhero story. Uh, I want you to picture like Elastigirl, mm-hmm. uh, and she has a family, and and she's out fighting crime during the day, actually, and then has to get home in time to make dinner. Um, and basically, uh, her her the, she she's working with this other hero, uh, this kid who gets hurt, and and he's a dumbass, and because of him, uh, they find out the bad guys find out who she is, and they all. Uh, come in through the door or the wall when they're having dinner and they they kill the husband and kidnap the, the son and so she's got to go get them and go out to get revenge you know mm-hmm. uh it's pretty violent um it's not like it's not like amazing mm-hmm. but it was a really solid book i thought you know it's 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 this tiny little twist on all these well-worn tropes there's no why is it called torrent you know i don't know is that's not like her superhero name, I don't think. But I thought the the character of herself was well established. The sort of setup of how they got there was pretty good. Her name is Crackerjack. She's the bouncing bad guy Buster. Hmm. So I mean, this could almost be like an uh, Astro City uh, deal. But uh, Rico Renzi's doing a bunch of books this week. You'll see his name later. Um, just like a, I don't know, kind of just straightforward kind of new superhero kind of story. I don't, it shouldn't be an ongoing. It shouldn't go forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really am digging the Justin Greenwood art. Like that's a name that I am going to look for in the future, but it wasn't one of the the other thing is like, if you're going to do a superhero book, you have to do it. And so Mark Guggenheim, he's got the bona fides to do it. The, the, all, all of the things about this book were, were up to snuff. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll get the thing and that, you know, even, what was the Peter Tomasi book? Was that a superhero book? Which one? Peter Tomasi put out a book last week or a week or two oh. ago from Image, and and my thought when I was reading it was, I was like, this this artist. Oh, yeah, that isn't book. Up. That was the crime book. That was not superhero. It's just crime. yeah, crime book. But either way, I was like, that artist isn't up to snuff here. Right, right, but right. This art is. Yeah, this yeah, art yeah. you could you could see this, um, you know, at Marvel or DC, and it was just like a professional book by professional people doing, you know. A good superhero story. And yeah. this is in a time where, you know, I, that's not my favorite thing. I'm not going to go for it, but I, I like seeing the craft a heck of a lot. It's almost kind of, there's a little bit of Michael Ivan Oming and a little bit of the faces, yep. but also sort of very exaggerated long limbs. Like that's, it's a good, interesting style. It reminds me a little of Sanford Green. Yes. I yeah. see that in here. I really like the art. I think... It's just the right tone. Um, and, and I think uh, that is another thought I had that's just shot out of my mind. Um, <laughs> did you finish the margarita? I told you I did really fast. Okay. Okay. I don't like, know if you I left just a like bit. slurped it down. The straw was you. the mistake. The straw will get you every time. You got to sit there. The straw was the mistake. Yeah. You don't realize they, how fast I know what it's I was going to say. Yep. So, my eight year old the other day. And it was like yesterday or the day before. I said, why do you like superheroes so much? And I was like, Ouch. that's a complicated question. Because <laughs> on the surface, it would totally seem that I, I said, I, when I was a kid, I loved superheroes. They were my favorite thing. Um, and and then I, eventually I said, I came to love comic books. Um, 
And the, the way that it works out is that most of the comic books that have the best people on them are about superheroes. Because when you when you get really good at making comic books, the best job you can get is doing superheroes because of all sorts of reasons. And so I end up reading a lot of superhero comic books and things like that because I really like the artists. I like the, the things that they do. Um, and that's sort of what it is. Like, I still really like superheroes, but like, that's not my favorite thing anymore. But this is a good example of that. You know, if I had read, I read this, I, I picked this book up because of the name on the cover. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's the only, yep. I went, Mark Guggenheim's doing a new series. I'll check it out. I didn't know anything else about it. You know, and it was worth it. So if you are out there and you're looking for a thing and you do like superheroes, you know, and, and you're like, you, you want a different take on it. You, you know, want something else like Invincible or something like that. This is a great book to look at and you should. And also, Watch, watch the name Justin Greenwood. Watch that name. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see it. He's going to move up soon. Watch this space. I believe so. Oh, it's me again. It's you again. No, no. <laughs> 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 <The> la- <laughs> I just laugh like Dave Letterman used to. You did, yeah. He might still. I think I patterned a lot of my speech off Dave Letterman. I didn't really mean to. Well, that <clears> happens. I know when you're about 14 and you refer to the other people around you as, "Hey, kids." Uh, they don't like that. They didn't get that at all, but I thought it was hilarious. And you, uh, yes. You, actually, so, yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of it is when you say program. Oh, yeah. I just think that's I, – I, that's on purpose. Though. I just think that's funny. Oh, but that's Letterman. He imprinted on me quite a bit at, at a certain age. Letterman and it, Dana Carvey. Yes. Yep. Now, uh, Brian Haberlin, it's a name I've seen a lot in comics, been around, Spawn Guy. He's a mm. Spawn Guy, I think. Uh, wrote Spawn for a long time, also maybe drew it. I don't know. He wrote and drew this thing called The Last Barbarians. Uh, the story has contributions from Handle Wall, whatever that means. Um, but he wrote and drew it, uh, and it's Barbarians. Uh, hey, yeah. you know what? Image number one, we're going to check out some some Barbarians. And uh, again, I actually really enjoyed this. It was pretty wordy. If you look at it bit by bit, there's a there's a lot of chat going on, and it's not sort of my favorite style. But at, at the end, you got a heck of a lot of story in here, and and a compelling couple of characters. Uh, you got this woman, and she and she's in this medieval town, and there's different guilds. There's the thieves guild, and there's the mercenaries guild, and there's the whatever guild, and she's pissed them all off, and no one will hire her to do anything. And she has a brother who's a giant kind of dude, and he has uh, special needs. He's uh, he's he's uh, maybe a little slow. Um, but she's got to take care of him, but she pisses everybody off. I mean, there's a lot of tropes, but the thing is with the medieval barbarian story, lean into those tropes. You just do yeah, it all I mean, you the, want to. Yeah. The guild, the guild thing is like, that's like standard, uh, fantasy yeah. fiction. Like, but this is, I'm looking at it now. I, I remember looking at this when I first, well, not when I, when it first came out three days ago, uh, <laughs> and thinking the art was interesting. It is. But I didn't, I didn't, um, Continue because uh, I just, I don't know. Do I want another fantasy books? I, I'm, I'm glad you liked it, which means I will check it out. I Those like fantasy whales? books. There's, a, there's, there's like at first I was like, there's no magic, and then I was like, actually, there's little, there's little panda pig guy or whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the stranger comes into town and everyone says, hey, you want to watch that guy? Stay away from him. But she has no choice but <laughs> to go because she ends up homeless. They kick him. You know, the the farmer she's staying with kicks him out of the barn. Is it, I mean, there's a heck of a lot of story in this. Like it, it really, 
uh, sort of kept going for a while. You know, there's a there's a backstory where she some horrible happened to her family or whatever, which is why she's taking care of her brother. But again, in that same way, you know, I mostly expect to pick up any image number one. This one's from Shadowline. Jesus, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't remember seeing a Shadowline book in some time. Um, and uh, and I don't expect to like it. I say, right. you know, I try to be fair. I give it a shot, you know, but I, I got to the end and I was like, I do want to know what happens next. Right. And, and that for me to read like two books on a given week that both made me, you know, it wasn't like, holy shit, this is the next big thing, which is what everybody wants everything to be. But it isn't. It's, but it's a thing that I can kind of, it comes out again. And hopefully I'll remember I read it and liked <laughs> it, um, which is a real risk, you know, and especially after like that. January of just the dull thud of comics in January, right? Just something, you know. The, the people, you know, and these, are, I, I will say, I, t- I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards veterans doing these kind of image books or, or you know, new stories because right. I'm used to a level of quality that I sometimes have a hard time getting by with sort of newer creators. You know, right. this is a guy who worked. You know, he's not a household name, but he worked on Spawn. He worked for McFarland for years, right? He's probably our age or older, you know, so he's, he's got the chops, you know, and, and, and that makes a difference. It was the same thing with the, the Guggenheim book. True. Yeah. Danger Street book three. Now. Yes. I'm not prepared to say I know what's going on in this book at all. Oh, I thought you were going to say but. No, there's no but. I don't know what's going on. However, I guess it's the same as but. Um there are things I really love about it. And look, I don't know who these kids are. I know they came from, th- I mean, like, I don't know what the point of these kids. I don't know why. They're the uh, dingbats of danger. They were Kirby. Right. I'm, I know that. I'm just, what I'm saying okay. is I don't know how this all relates together. There's well, several storylines going here. And individually, I find something to like about all of them. I, you know, especially, not surprisingly, love all the New God stuff, seeing the classic Jorge Fornes drawn new gods who look like the toys right. from the 80s, not whatever they did to the New 52. I like Metron. I like Highfather and Darkseid in their matching thrones, you know, glowering at Metron. I like the Source Wall. I'm always happy when the Source Wall shows up. These are all things that got fucked up in the New 52, and they're all here mm-hmm. fixed again. And I know this is, you know, Tom King's Black Label bubble, but I can enjoy being in the bubble. And at the end when they were like, we need someone to replace Atlas who had died in the last issue and it, it's revealed to be Orion. I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem. And this is like, I don't know why or what's really going on, but I know that individually, I don't know why this one kid is like drinking champagne and directing films and is <laughs> bossing around uh, those two guys whose names I'm always forgetting. But um, Well, the kid's part of that weird triumvirate of right. like... Like, I don't know, but it's it's enjoyable. What What I like... Is that um, the elements are so disparate? Yeah, like the kids, the Danger Street kids, like that's pretty straight up. There's no superpowers. There's no. They saw their friend get killed, and they want justice for it. Right. And they have no power. They have no nothing. And the other side, you got the new gods. Like he has to bring these together, and I don't know what any of them have to do. The the creeper in there is a Fox News host, right? And he's the creeper who, like, he's not like Etrigan. Like, like they're the same guy. When he's right. the creeper, he's, what's his name? 
what's the creeper's name? Yeah. Uh, Jack Ryder? Yes. R-Y-D-E-R. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I accessed some deep dormant files for that one. I I got you know, I I don't I don't know that I'm surprised that you like this book. Yeah. But I wasn't sure. If and I so liked it or you, that you liked it. No, that you. I I just I didn't uh, I I read it. And I enjoyed this issue. I didn't know that I had anything to say about it that we hadn't said before. Well, my my it just it's just um I like how Fornes's name has a Z in the script. Fornes. Um did I do that? I must yeah. have. It's fine. It's funny. You made me laugh. The S is somewhat near the Z. That's fine. So at least it, it's. I mean, like, there's. It, it's, it's such a DC history book. It, it's like we're touching on all these things from the course of. Why can't I remember the guy's name who looks like Green Arrow but is a barbarian? He's barbarian. No, he's got another name. Warlord is his name. Oh, I have I, no. He's a Jim no Starlin character. character. He he okay. was all through the eighties, and I had never read his book, and I'd always annoyed me when he when he was there because he looked like Green Arrow. Uh-huh. Anyway, his name is Warlord. And anyway, so you you get all these elements. You've got you know you got old DC Kirby stuff all over the place. You have Warlord. You have um, Doctor Fate and his helmet. And I really like the part where the lady cop, which is her name, is trying to figure out which superhero it was. By the way, thank you for naming a character exactly what we would have said. <laughs> um, if you had given that name, you know, Adriana Higginbotham, we would have been like, you know, Lady Cop. <laughs> so, and and he just really, he, he just took that uh, that away from, that responsibility from us. She Googles blue superheroes because the guy's blue and she gets, you know, a, a wide range of heroes and even Electric Superman. I love, I love that sequence was funny with the mm-hmm. commentary, like... I'm enjoying it. I just when I finish it, I go ah, okay, all right. I, I'm 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 trusting in Tom King to have this all make sense because normally it does. Yeah, and the journey will take us to that point. But for now, I just don't know. I'm just enjoying each scene individually because there's for right now. I don't know how else to enjoy it. Is he Starman, yeah. the blue guy? Yeah, Starman. It's yeah. it's Michael M I K E L. Michael Jackson. He's the the gay one who came from. He showed up in the Starman book. James Robinson. Right, 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 right. And like, he was like a, He was like a. He he was an alien, and he be, he was like a cocaine-addled actor, like in the seventies, I think. Something like that. Like he had a whole story in there. He was new. I kind of want a sitcom that's about dark side and high father living together i i gotta say i love them being on the same side of this thing and and it's funny because when we read cosmic odyssey like there's been a couple of stories that i've read recently where where dark side isn't pure evil he's he's got some kind of conscience he's, he's got some kind of code yeah you know and, and needs to do the right thing you know at least according to whatever his standards are and sometimes that aligns mm-hmm. as opposed to him just being you know evil i'm really glad that tom king found jorge fornez they found each other yeah because they really complement each other's styles i mean fornez started off as a mazzucchelli clone he's he's grown to his own style of that school but still of a different style and it really fits with the methodical plotting that tom king does because he's a he's a methodical storyteller he's a grade a storyteller yeah and it also works um to add a timeless quality. Yep. He doesn't seem completely modern or completely retro. He, he 
kind of lives in between those lines a little bit. So really, yes. it's kind of a, yeah, you're right. It's kind of a perfect style. I think Tom just found him. Yeah, it was on like DeviantArt or something. Yeah, like just on the internet, and then you know had him like put him on Batman. <laughs> and <laughs> they first were like, was Who is this guy? Something like that. Yeah. And then he did that thing where he's like, oh, "I'll go draw Daredevil," and you're like, "Get back over here." <laughs> Whoa, work, whoa, whoa. With, work work with this man. I turned around for one second and you're over at Marvel. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't I, if you ask me, wait, what's the industry about? I don't know. But it's true. If it no comes one. out, it's enjoyable. Like Atlas is dead, and like I know what that means in a like a greater mythological sense. I have no idea what that means in the DC universe, but I know one thing. It spooked the fuck out of Dark Side. Yeah, and I and I liked that Metron going beyond the source wall and being driven mad. Like all that stuff is great. I just don't mm-hmm. know how it all fits together yet. So we'll see. I did like that he that he he was he was screwed up. He's like uh, he saw, he saw shit. <laughs> he had the ten thousand yeah. yard stare <laughs> in that chair, and I like that they made fun of his little chair. <laughs> they're 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 bitchy old men on the chairs. They had chairs too. Theirs right. were just stationary, so I believe that there was some element of uh, of envy there. Yes, yeah, I guess. Yes. All the words that I want to say are just close enough for me to get them. But at any point... You might miss one. Go for the wrong oh, one. It's, it's going to be... There's going to be... I mean, on the on my best of days, there's some pauses as I search for like a good word. Right. Um, but right now, it feels like a real high wire act. <laughs> are you still here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I thought maybe <laughs> I talked about my own book so much that you said, fuck it, I don't need to be I here. I was just taking a nap. I didn't read any of these books. So when Wildcats was relaunched and I read it, I said, it was okay. I don't think I'm going to keep reading it. And then I think I maybe read the second issue. I'm not sure if I read the third issue, but I couldn't remember if I didn't read the third issue. So I read the fourth issue. I feel like you might have. I know I read at least two or three, possibly both. Hmm. So we've talked about this. I've got a soft spot for the Wildcats, which is interesting because I was not around when they came out. It is interesting. It's all because of Joe Kelly. I'm not Joe Casey. Joe Casey. Joe Casey. And then Alan Moore. Like those two things sort of. And then Warren Ellis. Like all that stuff sort of goes together. Which is funny because none of those things, as far as I can tell, relate to the Wildcats you're currently reading. Well, I I really like Matthew Rosenberg. And he's actually been the guy with them for a while. Uh, This is a fun story. As a single issue, you have uh, Grifter. He's off in some country that's at war uh, as bad people. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't even know what country he's in. He's trying to get out and try and not to kill as many people as he can. Um, and then uh, back on the other side of the world, some of the other wildcats, and there's a, there's a whole, there's like, they're all in this book and they're all on different sides and whatever is a big organization. I don't give a shit, but they're trying to get to him. And there's this, it was a really good single issue. It was very action-packed. Uh, Steven Segovia on art, I think uh, it makes a really exciting um, um, dynamic action book with the shooting and the jumping and the whatnot. The shooting and the jumping. The and shooting and the jumping and the expressiveness the and punching. all those things. Uh, I, I I found myself really just in, enjoying uh, the art on this one. And I actually brought that up, I think, last week on another book. It was just some action scenes. I was yes, like, Look at this. that was... Uh... Uh, the the secret invasion book. Yeah, and uh, I'm I don't know, I'm just enjoying those those kinds of things right now. And so, you know, once you get away, every once in a while they'd mention something like in this. Somebody mentioned Superman. I was like, oh, they're referring to Superman. And then I was like, no, there's a Superman in this book. And I was like, damn it. But it's fine. It's <laughs> just whatever. Wait till the authority movie comes out and everyone thinks and it's all ruined. 
Um, it, it already happened, dude. It's just we're just waiting for the next part. That's all. I'm enjoying how open-hearted you are to comics right now. You're, you've got your heart open, ready to be to let in the love of comics, and you're I mean, reading all kinds of new things and trying new things, and it's great. It's true. Speaking great. of Matthew Rosenberg, your heart is open for love. Uh, Issue number 11 of What's the Furthest Place from Here, I thought was the strongest issue that we have seen in some time. Um, I don't remember any of the characters' names. One of the dudes got ostracized. Either he became an adult or he did something wrong, and he had to go out in the woods. And in the woods are all these people who wear animal masks and keep everybody in, like, no clothes and keep everybody else away from there. Hmm. And he kind of ingratiates himself to them. Uh, and they 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 start to bring him in and they're going to make him, they do make him part of their tribe. And there's a lady with a mask and they have a, a liaison, hmm. but it's all pretty silent. Um, it's really good storytelling. And then one of the other characters that, that, you know, from the beginning of the book shows up and sort of throws the whole thing and is really melancholy and sweet and done very minimalistically. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was the best of what they've done with this book because it wasn't a lot of weird made up politics going on. It was just like a story that you that happened in the woods, you know, with people who weren't speaking. They showed up and blew, blew up a spot, cock blocked him. Uh no, no, that's not exactly it. It was more like, you know, in the Sword in the Stone when he's a squirrel and then that lady squirrel is super into him and then he goes back to being a boy and then the lady squirrel is really sad and she goes away crying i can't say i remember that no disney sword in the stone i know i, mean, I just don't you remember, remember the squirrel it. scene right no i don't oh man i loved that i didn't, couldn't I, get enough couldn't get enough of those kind of sword things that's but why you were the lost barbarian Right, exactly. So, uh, uh, if you if you know what I'm talking about, it's just this like sad thing, like things that you know weren't meant to be, but you can't help how somebody feels. Merlin said something really smart about it in that movie. I love that movie. The animation Bat- in that is the best. Batman Beyond: The White Knight, Book Eight. This is the final issue of this particular miniseries, which was the latest in the Sean Murphy, uh, the Sean Murphy verse. It's it's the series of minis he's been doing in this Elseworlds world he's created of it. A future alternate reality, uh, Gotham City. And when I got to the end of it, uh, I thought for sure that was it. Because we had the moment where the family's all back together. They like each other again. We get the hero pose. And then I turned the page and it was like, coming soon. The next part of the chapter. I was like, geez. I mean, I know these are really successful, which is why there's been like 100 of them. He worked at a sweet deal for himself. And he's not an easy negotiator. This (laughs) is working for him. The next one is like. He's going full on Generation Joker, but it's like they had a preview. It's like Superman, Wonder Woman, like people that haven't showed up in the book at all. So, you know, good for him. He's created this little, carved out his little niche. Mm-hmm. He gets to draw. He gets to draw a lot of cars, car chases, and he doesn't always do it. Mateo Scalera's done some of the art. Um, it's look. I mean, I really enjoy these. It's a fun take on the Batman world. And it's you know it's like a sixty year old Batman. He's he's had a you know angry retirement, and it's it's it was a weird hologram Joker, and he and Batman and Harley Quinn are in a relationship, and Jason Todd was the first Robin. It's all slightly different, but you know it's been going on so long. I couldn't even tell you when it started. I just I'm always happy when it comes out. I just very curious to see now how far we're going to take this, and I guess we're mm-hmm. going to take it a little bit farther. You know, at least let it, let them. Let them roll. It's a gorgeous book, though. Sean Murphy on art and Dave Stewart on colors. Forget it. It looks great. 
Yeah, I, I was doing the thing and I saw it was Dave Stewart and I was like, oh, I don't see he enough something of him else. In Oh, he colored, uh, he colored Danger Street. Nope, that yeah. wasn't him. Who else did he color? No. He colored something else this week. He was on, uh, he was on something last week that was unexpected. Oh, that might have been it. He, I feel like, I feel like he gets to just pick and choose what he wants. And yeah. so he sort of shows up in, in surprising places. Uh, here we go again. I, sub- I assume you're not reading I Hate Fairyland. No, I stopped new, reading new that book in the first original volume. Um, I, I think I got about halfway through it. I was like, I get yeah. it. I'm good. And then I think didn't continue going. But now so we're in this, a second volume or third volume? Yeah, now? so this story, she had been, like, basically the point of the first one was that she got sucked into Fairyland when she was a kid. And so she never got to grow up. And right. she was pissed off about it. Um, and and at the end, of the list, she gets out of Fairyland, and then she's aged up to her proper age. But obviously, she's completely fucked up because she grew up in Fairyland. And Point of order: uh, yeah. Dave Stewart did indeed color uh, Danger Street. This is an error in the script. He was the he was the colors. I would Danger like to point out to the people listening uh, that. Uh, you wrote that, but I may have. Oh no, I can tell I screwed it up. I didn't finish. Yeah, that's because Rob Lee, he just... Rob Lee, and that would be Clayton Cowles. Yeah, that's okay. Because because Tom King doesn't fucking roll with just any letterist. <laughs> well, I can tell you that John Callas and Rob Lee. That's that's Jeff Johns' team. Right. Yeah. That's a really good way. Are you? If you want to know if uh, a writer in comics has power and don't don't fool yourself the writers are the guys in comics who have power if they're always rolling with the same coloring and letter crew they call the shots in their books yeah like there's certain folks and and they just get the person they want so in, you know Todd Klein only works with some people right and they get him anyway i hate fairyland uh, i hate fairyland so she's she's grown up and this and, the second volume yeah, yeah, and 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 I looked, I looked on the cover for any sort of thing that said differently. Just said I hate Fairyland. And there was and no I subtitle. It. I hate Fairyland. The adventures continue. Or nope. Which I kind of. I respect. still hate Fairyland. Should be that. That's the way to go. Um, and uh, it's fun. It's just it's uh, I, I'm continually impressed by by Scotty's writing. Like uh, this is a this is some weird stuff. She was naked most of the um issue but like uh she's kind of disgusting and she has like a like like her (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to put this delicately you know she has like green hair and so you just see like she's got this big green bush behind like a fuzzy like like one of those um pixelated things like that's Mm -hmm. how the whole thing is drawn but she's also got like green armpit hair and nose hair and stuff like that because she's you know she's like a grown-up but she's a child and she's screwed up and and it's it's there's some really funny stuff and imaginative stuff and I you know I can't I don't remember if Brett Bean was the person who drew the last one I don't think must so. have been because it looks the same but I don't recognize the name either way like Scotty goes out and finds people who just loved him to draw the yeah. book like the book he could be like if you don't if you squint it would be Scotty's book drawing too right um and then of course Jean Francois Billieu. That's another one of those power so things I, I was talking Fairyland about. Number one came out in 2015, the original one. Wow. And wow. who was the artist on it? Oh. Well. Scotty Young was the artist on it. He, he, he drew the, he drew just it the too, first yeah. issue or he drew the whole, well, whatever. Um, 
it works. It was a really, it was just, a, it was a really fun issue. I, I, I do enjoy this series. Uh, when it came back, I thought, do I, do I want to read more of that? And I, you know, I've, I've just been digging it. Tons of imagination, tons of humor, um, like crude, but there's crude and there's crude. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. And it, it's kind of the right side of it. It's lighthearted. You know, like they don't swear. They say fluff. They do what like it's. It's just it all. You keep forgetting like it's not a kid's book, and then you're like, oh, it's not a kid's book. Um, right. A lot of energy. Very frenetic. I, I enjoyed it. I'm still looking to see who drew the other issues of I Hate Fairyland. This is interesting. It's hard to find. It was Brett Bean. Nope, that's this okay. one. Damn it, I don't know. I can't find it. I'm useless. We have a show you know to I do. Think, I think Scotty Young did the whole original series. Okay, well. He yeah, everything I'm finding person. is he's listed as the artist. That makes sense. What are we done? Oh, we're done. Hey, those are the books yeah. we wanted to talk about, but over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Were, were they the books that we wanted to talk about, or were they just the books that I wanted to talk about? Well, we, uh, it's the royal we. Yeah. Uh, so those are the books we're going to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the overwhelming favorite, in fact, it received one out of every three votes this week, was Masters of the Universe, Masterverse, number one from Dark Horse. This is the new He-Man anthology series. And uh, it's interesting. I was thinking about this before I read it, that, you know, there was one point where my He-Man knowledge was, you know, intricate and deep. When was that? When I was a kid. I'm watching okay. human every day, but you know now I, I it's like anything. It's a muscle. If you don't work it, you lose it. And so my He-Man muscle is weak, and I, which is I, ironic. I vaguely remember much of these characters, but some of them I'm like, wait, who was that? So this story is uh, features uh, this the, the the bird lady, Tila Na. T- no, no, the. He calls her Tila now, right here. There's Tila. She's got the weird bird-based bodice thing. But then there's the lady who has the bird head, and she's the the sorceress. She's the sorceress. Okay, so the sorceress of of Castle Grayskull is Tila Na, the mother of Tila. Tila. Right. Yes. Imbued with magical abilities by the pool of power, the sorceress is an exceptionally powerful force, but she may only use her gifts within the confines of the castle. Man, you know, J. Michael Straczynski wasn't screwing around when he did this. <laughs> so, <laughs> the the reasons for looking into the multiverse are thin. You know, there's, it's just an excuse. So, she, you know, he he man's a kid inside, so they have they want they want to look to see uh, various different versions of, of he man. So this is just an excuse to tell an anthology book with different creators telling he man stories in different styles. Um, and Tim Seeley did the. The wraparound story, there was uh, no. He's Kelly wrote, Jones. He scripted the whole thing. Did he? Oh, I guess he did. Kelly he Jones the whole did thing. the art of one. Sergio Aragonis did the art of one, and and then uh, Eddie Nunes did the uh, wraparound art. Yeah. Um, I was hoping to like this more. I, okay. I was hoping they would really sort of lean into it, but like the um, GI Joe Saturday Morning Special one. Yeah, I didn't like the first story. The Kelly, I've never really liked Kelly Jones's art. Going mm-hmm. back to the '90s and when he did Batman, I've never been a Kelly Jones fan. The story was fine; didn't really do much for me. And I was hoping the Sergio Aragona story would be funnier than it was. 
But man, I mean, the dude's 85. He's still got it. There's a little bit of wear on the tires, but um, for an 85-year-old, there's a lot of lines on these pages. I think if you were going to do a book, Eddie Nunez would be the guy to do the book. Yeah, the, the, um, the rapper did the first was thing. the best. I mean, obviously, I really liked that. I, I, there's a couple of things that, that I really like. I really like that when he turned back into Prince Adam, he didn't look exactly the same as He-Man. <laughs> he looked smaller, and I was like, oh, that's the way to do it. And I didn't really understand the concept of what this was going to be. I didn't really know that it was going to be a sort of unrelated anthology. I thought He-Man maybe they had different artists doing different things. Yeah. Um, and then we switched to the Kelly Jones art, and like Prince Adam, that is that is one way to draw Prince Adam. But I tell you one thing, it ain't the right way. Uh, but what I did like is that, especially that story, like it treated these ridiculous characters. Web Store, Spydor, uh, Batros, the drinker. Like it treated them like with a lot of respect. Deadly serious. That they don't deserve. And I liked that. Um, and then, you know, I, I felt like the little Sergio Oregano story was a... Little palate cleanser, yeah. you know. He's he is he's a hair away from from uh, Gru. I mean, it's not, <laughs> all, but you know, they go through. They're like, we're gonna give you all. The the joke is, uh, whoever some magic snake lady says, we're gonna give you all the stuff you need to defeat Skeletor. And so he shows up and he shows the Wind Raider, like this the the weird tank, yeah. and Skeletor blows it up. <laughs> That's right. I did like the, that. It was all the toys. They just yeah. basically went through all the toys. Yes, that was funny. The Talon Fighter, which I had forgotten about and looks awesome. And then the attack track and then the stilts. And every time they show up, like Skeletor just blows them up. And then they decided to play Xbox together inside the Classical Gray Skull and be friends. You know, that was funny when they went through the, like, the, basically the toy catalog. Also, I like that Battle Cat was this wild tiger and it just basically wants to eat He Man the entire time, but he, but he keeps getting, you know. But at the end, he loves him. Yeah. That's the very last beat in the story, is that Battle Cat is thinking of a of a of a of a heart, and it has a little He-Man wig on it. Right. I uh, you know, I didn't expect a heck of a lot. I thought it was a nice diversion. It's kind of fun to see. I think any one of these may have been too long to read for twenty minutes or twenty pages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you were like, "Are you going to read this every month?" Hmm, what's that? Maybe, maybe for a little while it might be fun. Depends on who's doing it. You know, it's not a lot of commitment you have to make to a book like this. The I will say I was slightly confused at the beginning of this the Sergio yes. Aragonés story, and I, I realize even putting this much thought into it is probably a mistake. But yep, on the third, so we see Skeletor has won. He's he's gotten He Man's sword and his sword. You know, they're the same. They're like the same sword and put them together, and they're more powerful. And then the third panel we see. Uh, some somebody running off with He-Man, like you know, ook, 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 running off like sure. an ape man taking him away. And then we turn the page, and it's there. We have to find a new worthy champion. So, do they only seek out champions who have the page boy haircut? Yes, I guess so. All champions had that haircut. I see. It's a bad haircut. <laughs> The design on He-Man just across the board was, te- well, I was saying it was terrible, and then my eyes went across Stratos, and I was like, hold on, Josh. <laughs> Stratos looks awesome. Yeah. I remember really wanting He-Man 
And then uh, on Christmas Eve, I would get a present. I would get one present. Yeah. You know, from the day before. And when I was five, I got a He-Man figure. I got Man at Arms. Sure. And I remember having the thing and going, this is so weird. <laughs> like he was shaped funny. The toys and were like, terrible. This, they used the same the mold same... for all the characters. Yeah, exactly. And, and like the same sort of design. They didn't even give Man at Arms a mustache. I drew the mustache on the, the figure. Nice. Because yeah. they use the same face and body for every figure. Yep. <laughs> oh, but I still love them. I love having called... He-Man knock people with his giant arms. Yeah. And they called him Duncan. But so... Duncan wasn't anywhere on the on the figure. I don't have a huge, like, I, I have an affection for it as a time, but it's not like I got to have He-Man shit around. No, no, no. I mean, I watched it every day after school, but. Sure. I don't need, like, a He-Man statue. I, don't, I didn't watch the He-Man cartoon on Netflix. Like, it's fine. It turns out that Michael Straczynski didn't finish that story either. So, didn't 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 I had I had fun reading it. I had fun. Reading it. I yeah. was hoping I was hoping to really like he said like it would be a GI Joe Saturday morning cartoon situation sure. that we loved it, but it was fine. It was a lark. So ratings on Masters of the Universe Masterverse number one ratings out of five. I'm going to give it three and a half. I think that is generous and and fair. I believe, I believe I'm going to say the same. And are you going to stick with it because it's a miniseries? Maybe. Maybe. That's a maybe. I think it might depend on who else they're getting to do. I mean, I think it says at some point who else, but I I didn't look or didn't register Uh in my brain. I don't know. I might check it out. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to add a book to the rundown. It's the patron pick. Every patron gets to vote. And that's how you support the show directly. We're running along, so I'm just going to fly through this. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. iFanboy.threadless.com. iFanboy.com slash support. iFanboy.com slash Amazon. And our bookshop links, those are all the ways you can help support the show. Keep it running. Keep, keep Help us pay the bills and make it worth the time we put into doing all these mini shows we do in the iFanboy network of shows. I'm trying to bust bump up our network status, Josh, so that some uh, other company buys us. Well, they got Again. a network. <laughs> Again. But we'll see. That worked out once. It did work once. All right. So, also, if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live in the show. It's called the patron power. And I, at the beginning of this episode, I was like, we have, we have, we always make time for the emails now. And now look at us. Um, this week's patron who gave it the $5 or higher level is Stuart Chivers, or Chivers. And Stuart's superhero name is Second Screen. He could also be a G.I. Joe, but it's, it involves magic, so probably not. And uh, Second Screen's powers is that uh, while watching a movie or a TV show uh, with his second screen, either on his phone or his tablet, he can make it display whatever he wants related to what he's watching. So if he was watching... Example. Like a, like if he was watching like a show, uh, like a true crime, you know, a docudrama like Winning Time or something, mm-hmm. on his second screen he could display what's what actually happened, what was really going on, the real stuff, or at the same time, at the same time, and he's able to take both of those things in concurrently and well, make sense. Yeah, of he'd them. have to choose what she's looking at, but he at least I see. he can get a, a sense of what's happening, or maybe he wants a map to follow where the characters are going because they're on a journey. Whatever Stuart wants on the second screen, related to what he's watching on the main screen, Stuart can make appear on his second screen. Hence his superhero name, Second Screen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have that power? I don't. I don't know anyone who has like the power to conjure up the real events of a uh, docudrama. Like I feel you, like you, if anybody could in the world, it would be you, though. It would be great. It would be yeah. great. I mean, I, tr- I tried to make it happen during Narcos, but I don't have magic powers. Well, and you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. That's, you can't that's really watch the second problem. screen when you don't speak Spanish. You got to really. Yeah, you got you to gotta stay on those. So thanks for being a patron, Stuart. Enjoy your second screen powers. The next time you're watching TV, it won't be annoying for anyone. <laughs> I think we might be able to do these two emails because one of them is more of a comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I just, this first one, I'll read it. Okay. Um, Roger from, from Washington State. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was pleased mm-hmm. to get this email. It made me very happy. And there's going to be some pronunciations in here that I may or may not get wrong, but I'm going to go for it because okay. that's what I do. Roger says, with regard to 863, number 863's discussion on the uncanny, we, we, we discussed the uh, etymology, of and etymology of the word uncanny. Yeah. He says, I'm an English professor. By the way, whenever a, like a professional person says they listen to us, I'm amazed. I'm like, really? Adults listen to this? <laughs> I mean, like, I expect like people our age, but not necessarily adults. People if you our age are anyway, professors. I, I get it. I know. <laughs> and, and, and I went wrong somewhere, but <laughs> I could talk about Jack Kirby. I have thought about this question for about 20 years. Freud has a great article on it. So you can toss off shit like that. You know, Freud has This a is a long email. And if you stop after every sentence to make comments, we're never going to finish it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you stopped after every single sentence and there's about 45 of them. In he this took his time to write in. Freud talks about the uncanny by following the complicated etymology between the German versions of the words Heimlich or canny and unheimlich, or uncanny. Hmm. Heimlich is not unambiguous, but belongs to two sets of ideas, which are very drif- different. On the one hand, it means what is familiar and agreeable. On the other, what is concealed and kept out of sight, which may throw light in- on, this is him. Well, the qu- which- what you just read was a quote from Freud. Yes. Wow, that's no one's ever said that to me before. On this show, for sure. Which, and, and, and Roger adds, this may throw light on savvy in English. Roger, mm. uh, the word savvy. Right. Uh, Back to Freud. But I like, I like savvy as a question, like in Tombstone. He goes, yes. savvy? Yep. Anyway, uh, unheimlich is customarily used as the contrary only of the first signification and not of the second. So the familiar, but right. not, not, uh, yes. He argues that, quote, everything is unheimlich that ought to have remained secret and hidden, but has come to light. Unquote. The weird and disturbing elements of the uncanny comes from the feeling that what is supposed to be unfamiliar or normal turns out to be really weird. The inability to tell one from the other is central to ghost stories. Are ghosts real? Or is the person who believes in them crazy? The longer that's kept unclear, the more intense the uncanny experience. And uh, in in the author, the writer, Rogers, on uh, humble opinion, is makes the better ghost story. On the other hand, I don't quite find monsters in supernatural fantasy as scary because I'm expecting the reality contain monsters. In horror, I don't know what to expect. Uh, literally, the, sorry, this is so long. Literally, there are entire books and entire scholarly fields devoted to this subject. Well, I think anyone writing a book on the subject should feel free to quote us in the discussion. I, I, I just hope you enjoyed that email as much as I did. I did. I did. I did. You, you, I, you, you did. Sk- you, you said one word wrong, but it does make a difference. Um, 
The weird disturbing elements of uncanny comes from the feeling that what is supposed to be familiar or normal turns out to be really weird. You said unfamiliar. Yeah. So I was just clarifying that for the listeners. That's fine. Um, yeah, no, it's very fast. I love etymology of words. <laughs> I love that. I always, not always, but I occasionally look up words just because, you know, the well, the various languages that sprung up on the planet and the way that words grew out of some into others. And But it's just interesting. It's really interesting to see how connected we all are in certain we're ways. We're readers. And so you know, know a lot of words and it's, it's, and we also, you and I are both history lovers. So history of words, it's not that far away from, I think our hearts. Uh, let's, uh, let's do Dan real quick. We don't have to think about this forever, but let's uh, let see what, what you come up with. Dan from Baltimore, Maryland as people who have covered comics for some time. Who are some of the, who are some of the creators? Oh, we, we need a comma there, Dan. As people <laughs> who have covered comics for some time, comma, who are some of the creators that you think have been the most improved? Perhaps the artist you didn't believe quite had it, but they developed their style in something special. Maybe a writer that went from someone you did not care for to someone you actively seek out. I got one, but it's partially pre our show. Uh, when I was a kid in That's the nineties, okay. I uh, did not really like Steve Epting at all. Mm-hmm. He used to draw the Avengers books. I didn't like his style. And then when he, when he showed up again for captain America, when we were doing the show, uh, totally different kind of style. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It's a combination of getting older, but also it's not the same guy. I'm not the same he, guy, but not the same style. He, he totally morphed. He developed. He developed into something different and interesting and terrific. So that would be the one. That's what I always think of when I think of someone who I didn't like uh, at one point and turned it into loving. And I'm sure there's others I can think of, but that's what always popped up in my head. I wasn't thinking of this until you said that, but um, Gabe Hardman. Mm. Uh, Gabriel, he actually actually doesn't like to be called Gabe, which is what I've been doing for years. And I thought, oh, I know him. It's fine. Gabriel Hardman, if you look at like sort of his first original stuff, he didn't was 18 or so under the name of Gordon Gecko. You know, it is unrecognizable from the style that he eventually developed, which I love so much. He doesn't do a lot of comics anymore, but um, just somebody who came up with a, like really like found out who they were uh, in the art. If we're going to talk about um, I have one writer that I thought of that occurred to me um, while I was putting the show together because I was trying to think about it. And mm. uh, it's Scotty Young. Mm. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, fan favorite artist. Guy could make a living just doing a sketch every day and selling it. And, you know, he did have a fine life doing that. Um, but, you know, he pretty much, his comics work now is all um, scripting. And uh, he's turned out to be incredibly... Um, versatile. He can do different types of stories. He can do funny stories. He can do serious stories. He did a romantic story. Um, you know, and and you know, I remember reading his first couple of books. He did a Magneto book. He did yes, uh, that's right. Deadpool book. And they were fine. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But when I said it was pretty good, I meant it's pretty good for like a friend of mine who draws really well. Mm-hmm. You know, and and since then, you know, the, the book that I read this week and, and Middle West and uh, you know, all the different kinds of things that he, he does. I think it's amazing. I, you know what? And I know that, you know, this is Tom King has gotten, we know he's great, but he didn't start there. He was, he was like Tim Seeley's underling at first. Well, he was, yeah, he was the co-writer on Grayson with Tim Seeley. Yeah. Which was the, you know, there was that and he did that Omega book and, and like, yeah, I didn't like that Omega book. The right. Omega and Omega. there was elements in there that were him, but you know, as we sort of, and then, um, you know, the, the sheriff of sheriff Babylon. Babylon, it started mm-hmm. off Baghdad and became Babylon. Um, 
you know, that was good. It was real good. But he's a lot better now. Yeah, yeah. I'm yes, that's true. I mean, he he kind of shot out of the gate as soon as he finished uh Grayson. I mean, there are people who love the Omega Man. I just don't happen to like yeah. it that much, but people love it. Um he pretty much I mean he's 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 I think he's found his voice and his style. Um but still he came out pretty he came out pretty full. He did I mean, but his I novel still... that he wrote before any comics is very right. good. But still, if you if you just look like in terms of like finely sharpening an edge, you know, or you're you know, sharpening like the stuff that's coming out now, like um Jesus Christ. The the human target mm-hmm. is, I mean, it is tight. Yeah, it is razor sharp. It is you know that and and you know the Supergirl story. You know, there's like no flaws. Right. N- not none, but just comparatively, like he went from from real good to great. You know, remember Batman? Like Batman was pretty good. It was rocky in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And then he figured out his voice and he went through it and he learned enough to like not you know, like he knows where to he knows where to play. He knows which which uh rooms he should be in to to make things. And and I think that's to his credit. It's tough. I'm trying to think of other artists, but I have a hard time piercing a artist's current style to get to what they started as because in my head I just see the current style. I just remember Steve Epting has always stuck with me because I remember, you know, I was a big Avengers fan as a kid, so I read all those books and I remember just not liking his style. So when his name showed up in Captain America with the Brewbreaker, I was like, oh no. And then opening it and being like, oh shit. So that it's like imprinted in my brain as someone whose style changed. But I'm I having could- a hard time remember artists because. You know, I just think about how they draw now, but you know, we talked about even Jorge Fornes' style evolving, even mm-hmm. though he was terrific in the beginning as a Mazzucchelli clone. And Mazzucchelli doesn't draw now like he used to. He doesn't mm-hmm. draw like year one. He draws like uh, yeah. a serious polyp. So even even Darwin Cook, do you look at his early stuff compared true. to the the stuff he did? You know, later, um, like on glance, they're the same. You wouldn't really think about it, but. Like the it's the style's really different. The sort of amount of detail, like what he's concentrating on, what he's doing. Now that that isn't like you used to suck and now you're good. But any artist worth their salt should evolve. Yeah, you know, and and that part that is fascinating. But sometimes it's so smooth that when you go from loving somebody in one way to later, you know, you still love them and you didn't really even notice the changes. The opposite for me would be Frank Miller, who I loved so much. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and his style's changed drastically from his Daredevil days to uh, the Dark Knight Returns to Sin City mm-hmm. to now, and it's 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 chunky and blocky. And I see the I, I totally appreciate the artistry now. I just don't like what it evolved into, which is fine. But I feel like there's somebody, and I can't I can't put a I can't put my finger on it, but. Somebody started off as much more like photorealistic and then just got loose. Oh, Eminent. You know, Eminent, well, Eminent used to do a thousand different styles. Eminent had a very smooth, almost photorealistic style. And then if you think about Superman's secret identity and then uh, became much cartoonier and looser. Yeah. Uh, Both Um, terrific styles. I mean, you know what? Mitch. Mitch Garrett's. Mitch Garrett's uh, started off. he's, He's still... Photorealistic is right. He uses a lot of photo reference and he draws in a style that's sort of half uh, stylistic and half photo. But I think he's gotten a hell of a lot better. Those those things that seem kind of stiff at the beginning are much more naturalistic now. Yeah. Um, 
like found his style and really uh, got better. Yeah, that's been one of the fun things about doing this as deeply as we have is, uh-huh. is getting to really you know hone in on that stuff. There's been a lot, but that's a good question. It's really fun. I, I feel like we could keep going on this forever. And I would love to, if you're in the um, the Discord group or whatever, I, I'd love to hear some of those examples. So thanks, Roger and Dan, for writing in. Contact.ifanboy.com is where they wrote in. And you can also write in for our other show, Mediasplode, and just put Mediasplode in the subject line so we know which show it's for. Let's talk about other podcasts. There's the aforementioned Mediasplode show, which came out this past week. It's right behind the show in the feed. It's where we ranked the Academy Awards Best Picture nominees where I felt very attacked on the show. I felt ganged up on several times at several points. And I made my feelings known to Carol and HR. And now you've got a note in your file. And so does Ron. Answer the fucking question. I did three times. No, that's bullshit. Next week, <laughs> there might be a talk explode. It's booked. Okay. That doesn't but not, necessarily it's not mean it can though. It is not in the canon, and the rule is: I will, I will tell you that it's it's moving. I'll tell you, so, but I won't tell you who it is uh, until it's recorded. That's my so. Rule. Hopefully, we'll have that talk explode uh, for you next week. The week after, we're, we've lined up the Legion of Superheroes review, the animated brain trust, and then, as I said last week, sometime in that space, we'll have our Ant Man review. It just depends on who's reviewing it and when they're seeing it, and when we can put it out. So that'll just pop up randomly whenever we get it done. Not on the usual Thursday, which is when we put our other shows out. Mm-hmm. That would mean it is up to me to tell you that you can find our library of over 1,200 shows and counting uh, over at ifanboy.com and wherever you can find podcasts. This is a bunch of stuff over. Uh, you're going to talk about that part, so I won't say it. Uh, you can follow Connor and I on ifanboycomics at ifanboycomics on Instagram, and he and I are at Patrick. And Jay Flanagan. And hey, I left it here. So if you want to find our, our, our third sometimes host, Ryan Haupt, he's also on Instagram. Uh, on the iFanboy account, you will see what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Um, you uh, will see, sometimes you'll see the best of the week in panels. And and, and Connor's, Connor's mostly responsible for this, so I don't want to take any credit for his, his very fun to Wednesday posts. Thank you. It always depends on how busy I am. I didn't get to do it last week, the best panels, because I had things going on. But maybe this weekend. Uh, where am I? Oh, hey, subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can, first of all, this show is put there every week. So if you want to listen on YouTube while you're doing other things, you can do that there. But also, you can find our uh, hundreds of episodes of video shows that we did uh, 15 years ago uh, or more. And those are all there. To hell with you. Every show we did, including <laughs> our Night Court Open episode that we talked about in the Media Explode, are all there on YouTube. So check them out, youtube.com slash ifanboy. And consider leaving a review or a star rating, however it's done, and however you listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podcatcher. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Well, however you listen to podcasts, if there's a place to review or, or leave a star rating, please consider doing so. A lot of shows tell you to leave a five-star rating. We're not going to do that. We're going to say, leave the review and rating you feel appropriate. Do it in your heart. That's fine. Because at this point, there's so many, I don't think you can hurt us. But uh, well, don't let's not let's not test that theory. Do you think so? What if, but I mean, what if what if that just emboldened all the people who have been listening, holding the gr- rage in with a grudge? I'm since just saying, 2009. Don't. The only thing I'm saying is, don't rate a specific episode. Which sometimes we get a, a review, like a one star review. They didn't like Batman 487. Okay. What about the other 18 years of podcasting we've been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Try to review in the aggregate. 
That's all I'm saying. Listen, Steve, I know what you wrote. Oh, shit, your old roommate did? (laughs) None of our friends have ever listened to this show. No, never. Not a one. Nope. Not a one. Friends, family, forget it. (laughs) Meanwhile, your wife's a patron. So who knows? (laughs) She does, but no one else. My mom's never listened to this show. No. Would your mom even know how to do it? No. God, no. (laughs) My mom did start listening to podcasts. She's like, I love them. No, I wouldn't have even asked because it wouldn't have occurred to her. <laughs> so many friends read comics. No, nope, none of them. Not a single one. Not a one. Still, you got to be the only one still reading comics. But you know what? You no. people do, and we love you more than we love them. You, but you know what? They'll never know because they don't listen. That's true. And so we shun them. Hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Let's, let's roll on out of you this. Know, I'm, pr- I'm proud of you, Josh. You made it through without. Uttering anything racist or sexist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, transphobic. Connor, yeah. stop naming different things I can do. It, none of it's in me. <laughs> know, it's I'm not saying, in me. You've had a couple of drinks. You're Irish. Who knows what would have ha- could have happened? Wow. So you were able <laughs> to to just uh, uh, there's the word. It's gone. Uh, just paint an entire group of people who have earned it. By the way. Um, <laughs> At least the Irish American version. Yeah, Irish Americans, not, not. Yeah, yeah. No, that. Come on, they know that you, you have you have full reign. The Irish people are lovely people, and friendly and happy. New York City. It's true. Yeah, I've just been on there. You know, I've I've been into a Irish bar bar or two of my day and heard a couple of rants from yeah, drunken yeah. Irish Americans. I'm just saying. I have I I have Long Island cops in the family. That's true. You do. You, you have, you've got Long Island blood in you, which is what you. What you think may be true is, is what I'm saying. All right. Um, On that happy note. But don't denigrate the Irish. Josh. Yeah. uh, Enjoy your your last week uh, at this age. Uh, No, I got, I got, it's a week and a couple days, but. Okay. Approximately. (sighs) What did you do that for? Are you sticking it to me? No, because you're just... You're, you're just, sticking it. I just It was a hint that you're not going to be on next week's show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>